welcome to Heartful Conversations podcast. We are here to inspire you, to sparkle some joy and hope, maybe bring some smiles as well. Now slow down and enjoy. Dear friends, welcome to a new episode of Heartful Conversations podcast. I am truly honored and joyful to have Audrey Lin with us today. Audrey is such an amazing human being. She has the most beautiful smile and the kindest heart that I have ever met. But apart from that, what we can say about Audrey is that she's had this amazing life experience that has led her to devote her life to serving others. You will learn more about Audrey from our podcast today. And I just want to say that when I have the opportunity to have such truly gifted and beautiful speakers in our podcasts, it just feels like the world can really be a better place. Such a joy to have you, Audrey, here. And I'm so grateful that you accepted the invitation and we finally got to have the call because we've tried a couple of times before. Uh, but these are uncertain times and we adapt and we try to be flexible. So um, I'm really happy to, uh, to be with you today. And I will just have to say that um, I kept thinking of you. There was like this one phrase to, to uh, say something about you and um, about knowing you. For anyone who doesn't have any information, I would say that to know you, to know Audrey, is to uh, completely and um, utterly fall in love with your beautiful smile and with your joyous open heart. So this is my sense of you. This is how I feel you in my heart. And um, I really cherish uh, your mere existence, to be honest with you. Thank you so much for being with us today. Um, maybe I would also start, because this is just my representation of you, but who is Audrey Lynn? Oh, is that a question? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. I don't know. <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> but thank you so much for having me and thank you for hosting um, these conversations, Leela. I feel like I can say the same to you. You just have like, you just make everyone around you feel comfortable with your kind of child's, you know, openness and heart. Um, so yeah, I think who is Audrey? Oh my gosh. What a big question. Who are you? Who are any of us? <laughs> I think that's like the ultimate question. Um, you know, I can answer that in so many ways. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, I could, I'm a daughter, I'm a friend, I'm a sister, I'm a educator, but I think deeper down, I kind of just see myself as, uh, you know, a drop in the stream of consciousness, um, a drop in the streams of consciousness and uh, trying to, you know, contribute my little drop into the oceans of our existence. So I think when I think about who am I, there's this image that pops into my head of, um, I think when I was in high school, after I graduated high school, I spent some time um, 
you know, hiking through these mountains. And I remember the first time I saw the night sky, the way it really is. And I was lying, it was, you know, open sky. I was just lying down on the ground, you know, before bed, <laughs> before sleeping. And you could just see everything. You could see the Milky Way. You could see satellites. You could see shooting stars. You could see the planets. There was no light pollution around. It was just so... Um, you know, everything was so vibrant that I felt like I was falling up, like I was falling into the universe because that sky was just so bottomless. And I remember thinking, wow, if everyone could see the night sky the way it really is without any of the light pollution, you know, to see all that's really there, the whole world would be so much more peaceful because we would realize how much of a little blip <laughs> we are yeah. to the whole scheme of things. And you know, I think sometimes that feeling, some people might find that uncomfortable, but for me, I just, I've always felt so comforted by the fact that I'm just this little blip and, um, and, you know, it takes the pressure off of you. It's a healthy perspective, you know, because then you don't take yourself so seriously. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's something and you feel like a collective, you know? Yeah. 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 We, we, I was just um, uh, reminded right now when you were saying that, that we are uh, teaching uh, kids through in school, you know, with our social emotional learning programs. And there's this curriculum where they learn um, about um, taking perspective and also learning about how is this problem, you know, in the scheme of things. And they, they learn to, to put it in the, is this a small problem? Is, is it a tiny one? Is it a small one? Is it a medium one? Or is it a big one, you know? And, you know, you give them like really practical examples of, you know, um, this colleague of mine, he just broke my pen, you know, and I'm just so furious right now. And surely enough, you know, the fury is there. You don't, you acknowledge the emotion. And then after a while, you know, when we talk with them, we're like, you know, you remember when we talked about volcanoes and how in the past they used to erupt and, you know, they would destroy people's homes and that. And if you think about, you know, what happened with your pen, you know, how is, was that problem related to the volcano problem, you know, and then they, they start to think, whoa, well, that's a huge problem, the volcano. My pen is a small problem. So, yeah, it really helps to put yourself in that perspective. Yeah. And um, oh, I love that. It's all relative. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes, beautiful description of, of yourself. And I guess this is um, a learning process. And I think even throughout one single day, if someone asks you several times this question, you get different answers of it. Yeah. And, um, also, we, we change in a way, although um, a couple of uh, weeks ago, uh, my grandfather turned 92. Oh, my uh, gosh. Congratulations <laughs> to him. Thank you. And my mom, I couldn't visit him, of course. And he was back in my uh, my hometown. I'm in Bucharest, which is uh, not very far. But anyways, I couldn't go visit him. But my mom was telling me on the phone that uh, they were talking to him. And they were asking him, you know, he's kind of, he's pretty lucid. And, you know, he's, he knows um, a lot of things around him and he can, he stays by himself. So he doesn't need help um, from time to time only. And he was asking, okay, so dad, do you know how old you're turning today? And he didn't, he couldn't say how old. He said, I know when I was born. And so uh, my mom put the ear there. And then he said, okay, so this is 2021. And she did the calculus, like, you're turning 92. And he just 
looked at her in awe, kind of like slowly his face turning into this disappointment, sort of um, not 73 or 70. So he was, he stopped somehow, he stopped somewhere there at 70. He was 100% sure, he couldn't believe it. He was 90 something. And then I was telling my mom, but what if this is what kept him for so long? Because he knows he's younger. And now that he knows he's 90 something, he'll feel older. <laughs> you shouldn't have told him the truth. But actually, even my, my grandma who passed away before him a couple of years ago, used to tell me that, you know, I, I sometimes look in the mirror and I know it's me. Like I touch my face. I know this is who I am. But I can't understand why the way I feel doesn't match in any way the way I look like mm. I want to be on this beach dancing and you know doing all this and going traveling she was already 83 or something at that time wow. and by the way that year she just took the courage to actually go to Greece where she had never been before and to go you know with a bus and do all that because it was her dream <laughs> but that sense of you know I am just this young dancer on a beach and that. And I know when I'm actually trying to dance that I'm going to break a hip, but I don't understand why the <laughs> there's this difference between how I look and how I feel, you know? Yeah. And so, unfortunately, uh, impermanence is there. Uh, and um, I think this last year we've, um, we've been forced in a way to look closer to um how change acts and how it has become a daily constant and probably the only constant for many people um mm -hmm. and so i remember that in our programs um working with uh, educators or with parents we were just trying to bring forth different practices to kind of have this sense of grounding you know uh mm -hmm. because everything else around felt so moving and so restless and um we were trying to find grounding but how do you um find grounding in this completely groundless world these days <laughs> how how was your experience or did you do you relate to this uh this sense of, of yeah what a great question i think um you know it's interesting because the i think the world has always been groundless, <laughs> but we've had these tracks that we kind of uh, have been on that we don't have to see the groundlessness of it, um, right? And so now in this last year of this time of pandemic, um, a lot of the systems have kind of, you know, broken or, or we see the cracks in the systems more clearly because it's happening on a, gr a grand scale. Yeah, yeah. And um but I think those cracks were always there. We were, it was just easier to ignore um, because it didn't affect everyone in quite the same way as it is now. Um, and yeah, I think it's very interesting. Uh, one of the things that we, one of the frameworks I think about a lot is kind of the shift from planning and executing to searching and amplifying. And so planning and executing, we all do it, right? Like you need to do a project, you need to host an event, whatever it is you plan and then you yeah. execute that thing. Um, so it's very necessary. Um, but I think one of, when you don't really have a, 
you know, when you're kind of serving with no agenda, right? Like you don't really necessarily have this end goal or this impact that you need to make, but you just want to serve whatever's around you. Um, it, it almost gives you this liberty to just search and amplify, right? You don't uh, have this kind of, um, you know, I have to meet XYZ target. I have to, um, you know, make this big splash in some form. Um, but it's just kind of this, I'm just doing an experiment in practicing in myself to be more generous and I want to try to grow in service. And so with that mindset, I think um, there's this uh, way of, you know, just kind of looking around say, okay, if I can just serve with whatever I have, how can I see the value that's right in front of me? And how can I nurture that into greater bloom? Um, so the, so it's a flip from kind of this mentality of, oh, I need X, Y, and Z to do you know, mm -hmm. A, B, and C, um, to saying, we all already have the whole alphabet in us. <laughs> and how can I, you know, help nurture the conditions? Or how can I hold space in a way to give rise to, um, you know, drawing that alphabet out and the beautiful song of the alphabet. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and I think that mindset has helped me, at least personally, see a lot of the value that I don't normally see um, if I'm kind of thinking with, uh, you know, A, B, and C have to happen in this order and in this way. Um, and yeah, so I think with during this time of pandemic, it's been really interesting because I found that that hasn't changed. The planning and executing has had to change, right? Because all the conditions have changed. Exactly. But the searching and amplifying is constant. You can always search and amplify. You can always look around and say, wow, that person has this amazing talent and they don't even know. And I want to help draw that out and, you know, you know, provide some compost and soil and air and uh, sunlight and rain to help nurture that bloom. Um, and I think it's kind of that shift from this factory model of service <laughs> to this uh, gardening metaphor of service. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah. And that it's already in us. And all we're doing is kind of creating the conditions to help draw that out. Mm -hmm. um, so I think in this time of kind of the groundless feeling, um, it's kind of like, it's always been groundless, <laughs> but we, it's like everything we need is already in us, in each other, right? And we already have whatever we need. And so if we're not stuck to a particular form that it has to look like, we can kind of tap into the formless values and help nurture that, um, you know, see how to nurture those values into whatever form is fitting for this context, for this time, for this period. Yes, the bloom, that's beautifully said. I was just uh, also thinking while you're explaining this uh, difference between these two worlds that in a way uh, that part where you are um, stuck in a sense, I, I can relate to my personal experience, so I don't generalize of, you know, yeah. this has to be done this way and that way. It, it, certain, it feels like it's coming from a sense of lacking something like uh, lacking control maybe in my case or you know if I put it there and I plan it and I organize it it's kind of like I feel more in control uh, whereas on the other hand it's like this uh, you know bountiful and fresh and always you know um, full of of um, nurturing you know fruits and vegetables and uh, you know to, to use metaphors and so the only thing is how you train yourself to put your attention there and to notice it, you know. 
yeah. but the sense of it, uh, it's like it's a completely different uh, energy. It's the energy of, you know, I have to do this and plan and that because otherwise I'm lacking in control or in my need to have things organized and have my mind uh, maybe feel at ease because for a lot of right. people it's a way of soothing you know your nervous system because you're centering control uh, and on the other hand it's kind of like even in your body you know you feel like you're in that contracted uh, part where you're doing that and whenever I could because I admit it's not something that comes naturally all the time kind of like you need that discipline and putting your you know your flashback how we tell our kids your your attention put the light on you know, I am enough already and I already, I'm so bountiful and I'm so full of, of resources that are all, always there, kind of like, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's strange how we, we sort of run away from, from ourselves uh, mm-hmm. when we get into these traps of mind. But in the same time, especially during this year, uh, while for some it felt like an invitation to tap into those resources, for many people, because of the stress and fear and many, you know, difficult situations they were in, uh, they you felt like you go even deeper into um, these traps of mind and it's so hard to get out of there. So um, do you feel like uh, in your experience um, serving and opening up to this way of um, relating to yourself and to the world is a um, is a tool that helps you connect yourself more to that sense of I am enough. Mm, absolutely, yeah. I think um, for me, and service is such an interesting word. <laughs> I think because growing as a child, you know, growing up, I thought of service as community service. You know, yeah. some. Uh, helping the homeless, doing these things. And then as I got older and maybe more involved in these types of, um, you know, service spaces, I realized like, wow, service can be so many things. It doesn't have to necessarily even be doing something. I remember once uh, uh, volunteering in India and we had gone to visit this kind of community center in the slum. And I felt like, oh, it's so nice that they're hosting us. You know, this woman that Mm -hmm. was hosting us is very busy um, running the center. And she took out her whole morning to just spend time with us, sit with us. We interviewed her and then she showed us around. And so our plan was to kind of have this conversation, learn about the center, and then maybe we would do some service (laughs) to support, uh, you know, to give back. And um so this whole time I'm thinking wow they're being so nice they're so generous to us taking all this time like when are we gonna serve you know we have to give something (laughs) and so I kept asking I was like okay when can I serve like when can we do something to serve (laughs) and she just that's what I'm here for (laughs) I know I know right she kept just giving me this funny look like she's like it's okay like we'll we'll get there we'll get there but I remember just feeling like we have to do something, right? Like we can't just sit here and talk and we can't just sit here and, you know, um, all day, like, and take up their whole day. Uh, so finally, as she was giving us the tour around the center, after we had had this long conversation and met some of the women there and things, um, we went to the top and at the top of the uh, center, there's a little rooftop garden. And so she pulls me over. She's like, Audrey, okay, here, you want to serve, right? <laughs> so she takes <laughs> a metal rod. <laughs> what? And, 
it, she takes this metal rod and she um, we're standing over kind of this planter box of some, you know, very small uh, seedlings. And she's like, okay, take this rod and poke it in the dirt <laughs> and it will, you know, give oxygen. It'll aerate the soil. It'll give some oxygen to the soil. And I think there was just something about the, the super, super down to earth simplicity of taking yeah. this metal rod and poking soil, <laughs> right. As my <laughs> service that it just kind of made me realize I was being really like, actually, I was really being kind of product results oriented in that moment. And that like, and so then I looked at her and I was like, sure, I can do that. And then I just asked her, I said, so can I ask you a question? What does service mean to you? And she's this woman who's like dedicated her whole, her whole you know, work and life to serving this community. And um, so she kind of pauses and she thinks, you know, when I'm walking, I'm, it's service. When I'm eating, it's service. When I'm thinking, it's service. You know, when I'm talking like this, it's service. When I'm gardening, it's service. And, you know, everything. It was like service was this way of being. It wasn't yeah. this result that we had to push forward, right? And I think we're so primed, especially in kind of these consumer uh, societies where it's like we're so primed to think of things as this product and and nothing else has value. Only what the product has value. Exactly. And even we ourselves become a product, right? Like we market ourselves, we, um, you know, exchange and transact ourselves and others. And so we start to see each other as these products too. And if we're not doing something, right, if we're not producing something, then we're not producing value. That's kind of the mentality in a subtle way. And I just remember that moment realizing, wow, you know, like every moment can be uh, a service and every, it's kind of like this tree, right? A tree doesn't try to serve, but just by being a tree, just by being what it is, just by being its nature, its service, it's it's providing, you know, it's holding the soil together with its roots. It's providing housing for all these animals and insects. And uh, it's providing shade for us humans and other animals, right? And it's pumping oxygen into the air through photosynthesis. So it's just by being its nature and aligning with its nature, it's serving. So I almost feel like we as humans and any living being, it's our nature to serve um, because we're all connected. And so naturally, we work together in these ways. Um, but when we deviate kind of a little bit from that nature, that's where it gets tricky. And it's complicated. The world is complicated. Of Life course. can be complicated. Of but course. Yeah, that's, that's so beautifully said. I'm going to use something that you said and ask you a question because talking about being your true nature, how did you come closer, maybe because I, I don't know if it's final, but how did you come closer to finding out what your true nature is and what your calling is and uh, was it a particular experience that happened in your childhood or in your adolescence or even after that something that was like a, a click or it was a sort of things that you know tied together uh, because to me it always felt since we started you know talking to each other after uh, we were introduced uh, through Ashima um, and with service space and it, I had this feeling that you know kind of sort of like that even with a bit of jealousy maybe like how how does somebody get so like in the right place like there's nothing else that Audrey Lynn can do in this world but what she's doing right now how is it that you fall <laughs> into place in such a beautiful you know elegant and graceful way you know how how did you get close to learning what your true nature is 
Oh, well, that's a tall order. I'm still learning. I think there's no, uh, it's a, it's a many years, many lifetime, like long, long, long process, I think. But um, I think, I think there is this, you know, I think growing up, even as a young child, right, you, we, we get taught what to do in a way and like what to follow and what our expectations are. So even as a student, you know, growing up, I felt like, okay, I'm going to graduate from high school and then I'm going to go to college then I'm going to get a job. And then, you know, in the U S I'm going to have 2.5 kids and live in, <laughs> in a house with a white picket fence. The door is white behind you. <laughs> yes, the door, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, and that's just, however it feeds into my consciousness, whether it's popular culture, media, my parents, my friends, my friends' parents, right? Like you get these conceptions of what's acceptable, what's not, and kind of what your future should look like. And, um, and I think that's all external, you know, those are all kind of just these material markers of success. And, um, and so I think growing up, I always just kind of, I guess there were different moments where I just was kind of put in a position to kind of question that and say like, why am I trying to study hard in school? <laughs> like, what's the point of this? <laughs> Or why do I want to go to college? You know, like just because that's kind of the, the, and the blessing, it is a blessing to kind of have these opportunities, but it's an unquestioned, it was an unquestioned blessing, right? Like yeah. I wasn't questioning why I was doing what I was doing. I was just kind of following along um, just because that's what everyone did. And I think at different points, there's kind of a emptiness in that. There's kind of this kind of um, like, yeah, this lack of uh, knowing uh, of aligning, you know, what's really inside you to what's this external manifestation of how you're living your life. And I think, I don't know, I think there's always going to be that in some ways, because we always have these structures and we always have these, um, you know, ways of operating. Uh, but I think for me, what's really um, brought out a sense of joy and a sense of kind of that being that little drop in the ocean, um, that comforting from being that little drop in the ocean and not taking myself too seriously is just service. And I noticed, I remember I used to get very self-conscious and I still do. <laughs> I get like nervous, you know, talking in, in big groups or even in a circle and things like that. And um, after some time, I, I think I remember one year I said, I made a New Year's resolution that I was going to say yes to anything that was outside my comfort zone. You know, if I got asked to host this or do that or whatever it is, even if I wasn't comfortable, I would just push myself to say yes and see what happened. <laughs> and talking, you know, talking and hosting or a group that was actually outside my comfort zone. <laughs> <laughs> but it, I kept would, getting kind of think that when they would meet you. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, it because I said because I forced myself to say yes, I actually ended up realizing the reason that it's outside my comfort zone or that it had been outside my comfort zone is because I was so focused on myself uh, in the sense that like I was worried about myself, right? Like, how will I come across? I don't have the words. I, you know, like how will things appear yeah. and how, what will people think? So I had all these thoughts and I realized that 
everyone else is thinking the same thing about themselves. <laughs> <Of> <laughs> and so then as soon as I realized that, I was like, oh my gosh, how can I make everyone else feel comfortable to just be themselves? And it's like, there's that quote, I think Gandhi says, you know, um, the best way to find yourself is to lose yourself in the service of others. And as soon as my thought, my orientation flipped from, you know, what am I going to say? How is this going to sound? How can I create this, the right content for this situation? Right. And I flipped that to say like, who's here and what are they feeling and what are they going through and how can I make them more comfortable and just, you know, add a little lightness to their day. Um, as soon as my thinking shifted, everything kind of shifted uh, to reorient in that way. And of course, everyone, you know, like it's, when you start, when that framework of uh, self merges into the framework of other, it's kind of like, wow, we're all in this together, you know? And this is, it's not even my, is this my thought? Is this not my thought? Is this someone else's thought that like, you know, traveled around the circle and reached me? Because it's, there's just, there's a collective intelligence that surfaces from, you know, when everyone comes together in these ways. And uh, when I'm not focused on myself so much, I'm able to more more clearly empty myself and tune into that, I think. That's so beautifully said. And then you were like, give me a stage and 500 people now. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> I'm still uncomfortable with that. But but then I just, you know, it's like, okay, just say yes. And it's not 500 people. It's just 500 friends. <laughs> exactly. That's a beautiful. She's talking about putting things into perspective that we were talking earlier, you know. Yeah. When you, you change the story, you know, in your mind, when you, you're able to make that shift, as you said, and make friends with that. And actually, this is the, the part that I so, so much enjoy uh, and I, I relate to it up to a point because I also don't feel like I'm, I'm there yet. But uh, like um, with you and with Nippon is this sense of, Truly, you know, we have all these stories and dialogues in our, in our head about how this is not right and this is not working and this should be done. And indeed, for me as well, when I, um, like you said, serving or service, like, uh, you know, it kind of like has a certain note to it now uh, that's been used so much. But when I can be in the presence of other people in, uh, in a more genuine way, it kind of flows naturally that I'm interested in their stories and I'm interested to see how, you know, if we merge these stories, maybe something pops out that, um, you know, it's useful to this one or it's useful to that one. And that was the magic that I felt during the leadership courses from you guys from service space, because we would get together these people and it was just through this mere sh sharing of everyone that was like, you know, okay, it kind of felt like what you said right now, this story was kind of like what I needed to hear today, sort of, you know? So everybody would have these sort of experiences. We, we call them, you know, magic and something out of the, but it's just, um, it's a sort of common sense, you know, in the bigger scheme of things. We just, <laughs> we are just still, I think, novices when it comes to this. But this was the sense, like, not, like you said earlier, not in the sense of serving, which is still beautiful, and it's still something that will come naturally to go, you know, and, and help with this and that in different communities, but just how you are, your presence, how you come in the world, whenever you, 
you know, open the window, the door, whenever you meet someone, even through Zoom now, because we don't open the doors and the windows so much. <laughs> we open the Zoom window <laughs> or whatever. But the same thing, if you are there, you know, fully yourself, you know, just clothes off, you know, completely naked. <laughs> don't take it literally, guys. <laughs> don't do this on Zoom. <laughs> but you just open yourself and you are there, that itself serves, you know, because you are serving to begin with your most um, beautiful uh, mission of being, you know, your true nature. And I think... This is when we see one another and we see, you know, this connectedness, you know, we see that we are, uh, we are here for one another, you know, this is the, the, I mean, I was talking uh, recently with a friend about, you know, why, because I had this question growing up talking about being kids and having the big questions. And I remember that, you know, being we were back then, you know, Romania was a communist country and things were everybody, you know, was dressed the same, doing the same thing. Everything was like, you know, parents having the same jobs, doing the same thing every day. We go to school, we come back, parents go to groceries and come back. We do the homeworks and all of that. And I remember, my, actually, my mother recalls this and she told me I was probably around seven or eight years old. And just the same, she would come back from, from work and we were home from school and we we're supposed to prepare lunch and then, you know, do our homeworks and then go out and play. And I came into the kitchen. I, I was probably upset of something at school that was building up to this momentum. But then I went into the kitchen and I said, Mom, is this how life is going to be like forever? Is this it? Sort of like, you know, is this what the world looks like? We just live in this, you know, blocks of flats. We go to the schools, we come back, we cook dinner, we do the homework, we go play. And then the same day repeats itself because I, I can't do this. <laughs> you know, she remembers that I was, you know, I was so tiny. I was this tiny girl and I was so, and I was, like uh, she could see panic, you know, in my eyes and in my voice, like, mom, is my please tell me, yeah, is this my future? Please tell me this is not it. Please tell me there's something more to this. And I remember that I would try to connect with this more, you know, and um, usually it would just pop out in the simplest ways, like, you know, being outside on, on the summer holiday and starting to rain and feeling, you know, the drops of rain and us kids rushing, you know, to play and laughing. And for a moment there, I would have this sense of, you know, okay, this, this joy that kind of feels like it's overwhelming and it's taken me off, you know, my body and off my but I couldn't put it in words at that age. And in those times, I can remember it now. But I was like, kind of like curious about this and always, you know, in life trying to look, is this it? Is this, there's more to this? What, you know, and so I don't know. We, 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 it feels like as we grow, we, we are pulled further apart from who we truly are. But we are, if we, try to stay connected we're kind of always right but let me try and see this one what it felt like okay let me let me have this for a minute you know and then you're pulled back right in you know and then years pass by you go to college you go and then you have maybe an encounter with someone and you feel that again and it's like oh this is what it was but then again you're you're pulled away from it so it's kind of like this dance back and forth you know yeah 
Well, you get, I think it's easy and it's so reasonable, right? As you get older, you just get caught up in the running, you know, the making a living, the kind of runnings of everyday life and what you have to get done, what you have to do, how to survive these types of things. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, oh, go ahead. No, no, I think it's true. (laughs) What you said. Yeah, no, I think for me, um, I think this keeping death kind of at the forefront of my mind has, has made me uh, question, has made me kind of, has helped me kind of like, you know, find that, uh, find that, that core connection on a daily basis, even if it's the most mundane thing, like I could be doing a spreadsheet, (laughs) I could be working (laughs) on a spreadsheet or tracking something or whatever it is, right. It could be super mundane. Um, But as long as, it's like, I know this is serving this greater thing. Then it's like, oh, I get to do the spreadsheet. <laughs> um, you it's know, and let me make it look- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but I think like that, I remember um, like a kind of more of a turning point for me around that was when I was in, uh, when my father passed away. And I think I remember putting his clothes you know, like washing his clothes, wrapping them up in bags and taking them to donate, uh, you know, and I remember folding his clothes and recognizing like, oh, I remember when he used to wear this shirt or I remember when he used to wear this jacket. Right. And just I have all these associations with it. And then realizing like now it's just an artifact, you know, like he's never going to wear this again. He's gone (laughs) and someone else might wear this. That's great. But it's like now it's almost like the shirt kind of doesn't have its purpose anymore. It doesn't have that meaning anymore. And it's just this piece of cloth. And, um, and I remember looking at that, like looking at these clothes as I was folding it and getting it ready to donate and just thinking, wow, when I die, someone is going to take, you know, someone's going to fold my clothes and donate them, hopefully. (laughs) And someone's going to throw away my toothbrush, right? Someone's going to throw away my leftovers in the fridge and, all these kind of mundane things that we actually live for, right? Like it's yeah, like those, yeah. all the things that we think are so important that uh, make up, that compose kind of the cadence of our days. Um, it's like all of that, like that doesn't last, you know, those things are just so ephemeral. They're just so, you know, gone and they can just be gone in an instant as, and when we go. And I think, I remember thinking what really lasts, like what and and for my dad as I was folding this clothes I was thinking well what will really stay you know all his material things eventually will get distributed here and there but what really um what really kind of stays and leaves a legacy in our hearts and it it really is it's like well I'm living you know like I'm kind of he's living through me you know all that he's taught me all the things that all my mannerisms that reflect his right like that's still living and all the love that I learned from him I think that's still living and fueling in other ways and all those small moments where where and so I, I think that's kind of hard to think about in the in the kind of schedule of your day to day but I remember it just kind of making me think well I'm, if I die tomorrow, you know, like, what will I, what will I wish I had done differently? And Mm -hmm. I feel like that's just, 
like that's just been a helpful question since then of like okay if I die tomorrow will I die smiling you know like well Mm -hmm. what do I need to do differently if I won't die to smiling (laughs) (laughs) yes yes and we somehow fear asking these big questions at times you know because in, in a sense they would interfere with uh you know, where we are in the day-to-day life and in the bigger scheme of our lives. Because some of us, you know, a lot of people have already starting, they've started, they've went up, you know, that bus, they've taken that certain bus and it's now taking speed and speed. And of course, what would help was kind of what would be to slow down and to really look, you know, at the scenery and see if you are in, in the right place and if you maybe much rather would stop and go down. But that's, um, that can bring a lot of, of suffering and distress to people to look at that, you know. Mm-hmm. And just the theme, you know, of death and what you were mentioning, it's something that's rarely uh, mentioned or brought up, especially, well, uh, this well, last year. But in the same time, all these beautiful stories of people that passed on and their relatives remembering them and cherishing their legacy beyond you know uh the materialistic like you mentioned these stories also were brought forth so in a sense the more there's shadow the more there's light that can surface you know uh and um it's so um, beautiful what you mentioned about your dad and how um when we uh remind ourselves of uh the fact that we are not just our story, but every single day we carry forward the story of our ancestors. And uh, that sense with me always, uh, I remember because my grandma told me this when I was very, very young and it just felt so empowering. It felt like, you know, maybe, you know, there are these queens and whatever that are living through me, you know. And I, I remember when she first shared that with me, I had the sense of, wow, I'm so, you know, in a sense, important. And, you know, I have this yeah. legacy to bring, you know, forth. I need to I need to honor this. <laughs> so, um, yes, this sense of, of stories that are being told over and over again through our presence and through, to me, this uh, this work of of trying as much as possible to stay true to your true nature comes with kind of the sense of, uh, you know, this is not just about me. This is not about my story. And then in life, especially, I think, but not necessarily when you become a parent, but to me, it felt that way, sort of like, you know, this is a responsibility that for many years, I didn't feel ready to take on. You know, talking about things, how they're supposed to do. Okay, you know, you get the college degree, you get the job, you get married, you do you have the kid and so on and so forth. And I wasn't there, you know, I wasn't there. I was on this self, uh, self-discovery self journey with myself and it felt like there's so much coming, you know, forth that needs to be seen and needs to be honored and, and in a way uh, soothed and nourished because there were maybe some wounds, some, some sufferings. And I, I was like... How would I, you know, just um, take on this responsibility of, of, of bringing a child into this world when, you know, I, there are all these un, unsolved, unresolved things that I would just pass them on completely, you know. And I had the story from my grandma of the stories. I'm like, you know, my story has to be special. I can't, I can't give any, any story, you know, forth. Uh, I at least wanted to feel more authentic and for me to feel more connected with my, my, my truest heart. And 
I don't know if it was uh, related to that, but that's when I made the, the a big shift from the type of work I used to do to moving onwards to a nonprofit organization and to education further on and so on and so forth. So um, I think it is a it is a beautiful journey, but it does have its ups and downs, and it can yeah. get scary, and it yeah. can get isolated or lonely, and so. Um, I think that, um, when you have a community around you, you know, and when you have people who can support you in that sense, um, it's, it's just so helpful. And, uh, this year has proved to me that while in a sense, I thought, you know, communities are, are very local things and are things that are, um, especially with you guys, you know, and with uh, our trip to, to India last year and getting to know you and the whole family, you know, of service space and the volunteers. And it was like for the first time in my life, it was it moved on from this kind of like conceptual understanding of compassion and serving and all of that to this truly embodied, you know, um, living, breathing, touching, tasting experience we had with you guys. It was just you guys, you, you, we were just swept off our feet with your generosity and openness and how, you know, we were just seeing these people for the first time, like, you know, felt like sisters and brothers and, you know, we were hugging all the time and thank God we hugged so much back then. <laughs> we got our hug quota in. Yeah, we got our... <laughs> oh, God. So um, this is something that for a lot of people, and maybe this is something we can um, end with because I think it would be an inspiration to a lot of people. Uh, when I talk to them and when I share about service space, when I share about Poon, when I share about you, you know, they're kind of like looking at me, come on, get real. These are, okay, maybe they're real people. I'll give you that. You won't invent people right now because I can look them up on the internet. But uh, you can't really tell me that this is what they've chosen in life, you know, to dedicate their lives to serving others and to... And it still, you know, feels surreal sometimes, you know, even to me, you know, but it helped that we came and we met you and I could, you know, pinch you and say, <laughs> okay, Audrey's real. <laughs> Check that off the list. <laughs> so, um, but it's still to this day, you know, when I share about this, because you guys are, you know, you come very often um, in conversations. And I was just about to email Nipun because after we had our podcast, together that I shared with him, uh, there was um, this very uh, nice lady that contacted me uh, that used to work in a radio and she has her own podcast. And she asked me to do a, a podcast on, you know, the nature, the our mm, good nature and if it's something we're born with or it's something we learn and so on. And so we did the podcast and she told me that she will kind of like, you know, put different bits and pieces. And I shared so much about Nipun and you guys that I think, half of the podcast is with Nipun, you know, <laughs> he's recorded there. And so uh, talking about ripples, but coming back to what I wanted to ask is, you know, for, for, for such people where, you know, this still feels like uh, it's something unreachable, you know, making it maybe not your life's purpose. Cause for some, maybe it's not there yet, but um, truly trusting, you know, that, um, doing good and sharing goodness and kindness it's not just a thing that we you know 
teach kids and we expect society and everything to be because it's a nice thing to have and do and because otherwise the planet will extinct or whatever but that truly you have that inner experience and transformation that's just so sweet and so nourishing to your soul and your heart um there's so many people that i i meet and they they really have an open and kind heart and they want to contribute and they don't really know you know where do i begin like i get this question with maybe mindfulness or you know where do i start with and this is somewhere where i can give advice and i can but what about you know this openness to serving and to sharing kindness and what's something that in your experience uh helps someone who uh is willing to but doesn't really know how to begin yeah, yeah i think for someone who is is looking to serve in some way or wanting to kind of get into that spirit in some way and um feels like they're just starting out. I mean, I feel like I'm just starting out. <laughs> there's so much to there's so much to uncover, I think in this. And it takes on so many different forms. I don't think it has to look like, you know, that you're dedicating your whole life to this and and I don't know if I am, right? I'm just kind of taking it day by day and seeing what happens. So, it's not um necessarily this big thing. I think we're kind of trained to think of things in these big things kind of ways, but um but it's really the smallest things that actually then become these huge things. Like even um like just just a, yesterday or a couple of days ago on our um so one of our websites is called coronavirus, which is kind of this started during the pandemic as a play on coronavirus. Karuna means uh compassion in Sanskrit and yeah. so it kind of sounds similar but um we just started featuring these stories of um you know people choosing everyday people choosing love over fear and i think that's all it takes is really just in any given moment how what would love look like you know how can i choose love in this moment and what would that look like and even just a couple of days ago i was reading the story of um you know in new york city you know the where people are not the most trusting right there was uh, a, a um apartment complex where this woman had been cleaning the apartment complex for 20 years and um and then during the pandemic she was furloughed but she still would show up to clean and but it was really she struggled a lot she ended up mo- having to move to her sister's place she lost her home um you know it's a tough time yeah. and the residents in the building loved her you know they were like rosa is the sweetest woman and she's always so kind she's always just got this big smile on her face and so cheerful like let's do something for her and so they ended up surprising her they all contributed they band together and they schemed to get her the penthouse <laughs> of this no. new york city apartment oh, i had these bumps <gasps> i know i know right and they just they con- they each contributed and they were able to pay for two years for her to live in the penthouse of this apartment that she cleaned for 20 years and wow. uh, and they surprised her you know they brought her up the real real estate agents said like they she thought she was just being asked to clean the apartment right because that was her job um and then they surprised her with the keys to it ah. and it's such and you, and that feels like such a big thing like who does that right like that feels like a what in new york yeah, city yeah, the penthouse yeah. you know <laughs> and it feels like such a big thing but it really is just a bunch of neighbors saying oh my gosh let's just show some appreciation to this woman that's been so nice to us for so many years yeah. and i think beautiful these yeah just from that small intention things that are unheard of can become ordinary you know like it can become a normal thing to just 
leave uh, groceries outside of the door of a friend, right? Especially during these times. Um, but I think, you know, I always think of how, um, like we have these smile cards, right? That say smile, you've been tagged. Um, experiments in anonymous kindness is the name of the game and now you're it. So like you do a random act of kindness anonymously and you leave the smile card behind to invite the recipient to pay it forward. And I always think about that um, because kind of how that is like the opposite of a prank, right? Like usually you pull a prank on someone, it's to make their day harder, you know? They're kind of like, it's just, it's in a funny, like a haha funny way, but now you have to clean up or now you have to like figure that out. <laughs> but what if you did a prank that made someone's day better, you know? Like, and what, and how it's not hard to do that at all, right? You can like pay the toll for the person behind you, or you can, um, you know, put an extra ticket for the subway, you know, and hang it at the, where you buy a subway ticket and, uh, or leave groceries outside a friend's door or bring a sick friend some soup or, um, or do the dishes, you know, for your loved ones, even when you don't want to, like, it's the smallest things I think end up making the world of difference. And it's not just the difference that happens externally, but I think the way that we start perceiving the world changes. Like, I feel like I start seeing opportunities to do a small thing um, for someone else, like constantly. But I think it's, it's kind of, it's in our basic nature. And it, it's, I think st small things are like the core of it. I think I never try to think of doing anything big. I actually kind of am averse to doing big things. <laughs> um, I couldn't really, re I couldn't really agree with you on that, but uh, <laughs> because it's a bunch of big things are just a bunch of small things added up, right? Well, and, yeah, yeah. If you put it that yeah. way, then okay. <laughs> <laughs> but that they they become big when we have the capacity collectively to hold it, um, rather than kind of like getting to it too quickly, I guess, before yeah. we're ready. Yes. Well, yeah. patience, that's another subject. We can have a whole podcast on that. <laughs> on trusting and having the patience for things, you know, to fall into place uh, yeah. once you've put your good intentions there. And um, actually, that's a, that's a good subject because I always, uh, especially recently, uh, struggle with this idea of, uh, you know, keeping things a small because this is um, still so very relevant you know the one-on-one -on -one with someone who needs to talk to you and just mm -hmm. uh, really being there and uh, and listening and even you know within the organization and the things we are doing to you know promote the social emotional learning practices and it, it's it would be so much easier you know to have it on a grand scale of you know the ministry and having it all throughout schools and everything but then so much would be uh, lost in terms of how profound you go in the process and how much of that inner transformation takes place if you just rush things and you just give people, you know, I don't know, the curriculum and that's that and you do it. And it's been a, a struggle to to kind of sense our way into that because, um, you know, our hearts tell us it's, it's, it's step by step and teacher by teacher and not rushing things. Um, but then the need is out there. And so many people, you know, especially after this year, um, need the resources and need the help. And then you kind of like feel like, oh, my God, there's so much that needs to be done, you know. Yeah. So it's an interesting dance to have yeah. between. And there's no one size fits all answer. I think it's every every situation is different and kind of, um, yeah, there's. There's no easy, Answer. easy formula. Yeah, true. Well, 
Um, we are sort of, you know, pioneering a lot of things, all, uh, especially in this area. And uh, the one thing that I can give to this in a, in a positive, from our experience in a positive sense to, to the pandemic was that it, it, it brought forth uh, maybe sometimes in a too direct and hard to manage way, but it brought forth this, you know, systemic problems that we can no longer ignore. And so it kind of forced some some changes uh, to come, but this is where our you know resistance to change comes into place, and where um, the resilience to um, have the inner space to welcome all of these changes and welcome all the you know roller coaster of emotions that are that accompany change um, is something that's uh, it's still a learning process uh, to ourselves mm-hmm. as well. So um, it will be an interesting journey ahead. Um, but I can say that knowing um, that out there in the world, there's so many people, amazing people that uh, we've met and we keep meeting um, in all of these organizations and places that are doing so many um, helping and wonderful things. Uh, to make it easier for everyone it's just it just feels so empowering you know and it just keeps you going uh, in a way because you can get easily isolated you know in sometimes in your work maybe you've sometimes felt that as well although you guys are you know such a big community and um, I I feel that um, even if you see we meet maybe once in a year sometimes physically if we're lucky enough this time in on zoom just knowing that you are out there you know doing your beautiful work is just so soothing to my heart and it gives hope and it gives joy and it gives trust and um, I'm really grateful for that yeah me too me too I'm so grateful to know that you're out there doing doing and being you um, and and spreading spreading the goodness in whatever ways that that you can I think that's all it really is right like we're all just kind of doing our little bit and yeah. to know that each of us are doing our little bit and we're not the only crazy people <laughs> out there. <laughs> um, yeah in the meantime you know we we stay with our memories uh, from last year and with the blessing that we we could do that um, yeah and if there's anything I mean any ways we can be helpful like we're always happy we're here so I know, I know you are and you've been thing. amazingly helpful and we've 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 done so much thanks to to the fact that we've we've had your help you know with the platform and with our courses and um it's just um it's a process from here onwards on how talking about true nature how to tap into how we can really be of help and Mm -hmm. um because there are a lot of things coming at us right now because we've just planted some seeds there and now they're coming towards us but some of them don't feel like you know this is the right way this is why i was saying earlier about you know doing small things versus you know there's these big organizations who want to have you know like the 1000 educators and having the trainings and but it's not really how we have our impact, you know. I remember when we had our last educating course, we can only have, you know, 15 places maximum because, you know, just like leadership, you can't work with, that's the magic of it. 
And we had more than 120 requests to mm. join the course. And it was heartbreaking to say no to 105 people, you know. Yeah. And that's why afterwards we, you know, did a webinar and something to offer to those people. Because in my heart, it was like, you know, this is so hard to say no to people who are so excited to learn and be part of this. But at the yeah. same time, we it was just so clear that I'm not going to, to compromise, you know, the, the, the way we know this works and the way this goes into depth of, of you know, and into the essence of things. But it's right. hard because everyone keeps coming and, you know, because we've also had, you know, problems with funding and all of that. Everybody's like, but this is how you get the funds and this is how you get the, why don't you, you know, engage in this? This is the solution. Otherwise, you're going to die. It's not sustainable. It's not going to work. And it's it's really hard, you know, because you, you have this ping pong in your head of like, do I, I don't want this to die. I want this to, to be out there. But right. how do I keep my core values and my <laughs> and make sure it doesn't turn into another thing like a different yeah. thing altogether yeah yeah um, it's tricky I mean even especially because with the pandemic I feel like we one thing we've learned is that we have such a more captive audience now right because everyone's home everyone has time and everyone's yeah. online Captain, <laughs> so that's like a good our, word. our attendance has like grown so much because of that I think compared to yeah. like pre-pandemic to post and like even with the leadership circles, we've had to kind of innovate a little bit more to meet that demand of. of um, so the same thing. The same thing, because so many is like since the pandemic, because now everyone's like, oh, the systems are broken. How can we lead with love? <laughs> like well, now everyone's duh. like asking these questions. <laughs> we were saying this for quite some time now, but okay. <laughs> Glad you have joined us. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, that's, that's, and that's great that it's at this, you know, that the pandemic has kind of pushed this extra acceleration button to say, hey, we need to change what we're doing. Yeah. Um, so we actually, that's why the, the pod platform came together as like this space for, to help offer it to a broader audience. And we haven't, I mean, I was also hesitant because I was like, well, we like really folk, you know, in our leadership circles, like 15 people, we really kind of make sure that it becomes this really tight knit space. And um, we do a lot of pre-work to make that happen. Um, and then in this, I think, I guess it's just, you know, if so many people are looking for this, how can we offer it without losing the essence of what it is? Um, and so I think a lot of design thinking went into kind of um, how to offer the pods in a broader way. And it's it's actually been pretty interesting to see. Like now we've been able to have this like a four week ladership pod with, you know, 100 people or 200 people and um, wow. and still kind of more or less main it's a little different I mean it is bigger but um but there are ways that we can kind of help maintain that intimacy and that sense of like inner transformation um in the design so I don't know we can talk about that another time if it would be helpful or yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. but it's interesting yeah. yeah it's interesting that we yeah we we bumped into sort of like you know similar things and uh, I know I have a way that's why I keep working with that because I know that sometimes I'm very um, you know I'm very open and creative and I don't want uh, you know boundaries with so many things but then when it comes to like you know what's fair and the values I make no compromise like you know <laughs> talking about I don't know <laughs> it that's is great. but it can be kind of right like 
Yeah. Yes. Huh? Yes. Um, it can be counterproductive in the sense that, like, you know, I'm just no, no way. I'm not doing this. Even if you give me, I don't know, yeah. I get the funds and I get to have, you know, to do this and that. I'd rather not. And I said no to some yeah. things. And uh, people around me, you know, you have these two sides, you know, these two camps. And there's people who say, you know, it's not wise and it hasn't been a good move. And it's just my stubbornness and it's not, it's being childish and it's being, you know, kind of like, um, I don't know, spoiled that I don't want to, I just want to play with these toys and I'm not going to play with other toys. But to me, <laughs> it's more like, it's not a matter of that. It's a matter of, you know, uh, it's not even my toys. It's <laughs> yeah. Right, right. You're the steward uh, of the toys. <laughs> yeah. So then how, why, you know, I don't get to choose. And I, it, it, it's so intuitive. Like you say, like it doesn't come natural. It comes like, like I would have to force something in me to. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I'm and that's important. So, yeah. Because if you do, like once you say yes to those, even if when it doesn't feel right, eventually it'll it's like you know that quote off by an inch in the beginning off by miles in the end yeah. right so you're yeah. kind of like protecting that uh you know the values and, and not wanting it to morph into something else true which I think is valuable and there's yeah there's no it's every context is different and yes that's yeah. also true that's why sometimes you know I question because I know you know we don't have this community like you know you guys have and you know the volunteers and all of that and sometimes I try to question I try to, to 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 have this process with myself and see if it's not my own mind limitations more than you know the way I put it like it's my values and that and that it's not an ego thing and it's not a you know I try to to, to, to pay attention to where it comes from you know to yeah. make sure it's not something else um there it's not a right. different story right. so right. yeah We'll see where things... Um... Yeah, totally. I think for me, I, it's often like, I feel like it comes down to the intentions, you know? Yeah. And if the intentions are aligned. Because yeah. I, it is very subtle. Like, if an intention to... An intention to spread, you know, social-emotional learning to hundreds or thousands of students can, is a beautiful thing. Um, but that's also very different from an intention to kind of nurture that seed within ourselves and kind of share it in a like share it in a way that's not just about hitting those numbers I yeah. guess yeah definitely for me it's not about the numbers and it's also you know I can say you know those numbers can be hit maybe 150 years from now and I'm just a right you know so accepting that that I'm not going to be here when that is touched but for so many people talking about what you're saying in the beginning you know I'm starting this because I want to be a witness of what happens right so then I, I push the processes and I push the things because I'm doing it so I can you know rejoice in it and mm -hmm. to me although it's it's it takes a toll sometimes on us as a team to know that you kind of like have to go you know upstream and go you know fight the resistances and everything that this is just a process that's starting now and maybe it's going to bloom when my son is going to have his son or daughter or who knows if I'm going to be around or not so yeah. you know staying with that kind of thought of you know this is going to take 50 years of your life and you're going to die and it's not going to be solved <laughs> for you but it's going to be for who knows your third generation relay. <laughs> yeah yeah someone else will take the baton and keep it going yeah exactly so yeah 
And even if I make peace with that, it's a matter of everybody else making peace with that, you know, because you mm -hmm. can't do it by yourself. Definitely. You have to, to be in this journey with people that uh, feel the same way. So this is why with you guys, it just feels like, you know, uh, it's so beautiful when the same type of energies and everything comes together in a way. Although I'm sure, you know, sometimes there's struggles and there's things that uh, are not easy. Um, but, um, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, totally. And there's never, yeah, I feel like there's never easy answers, but you just kind of have to go with what you know best in the moment. That's what I, that, that's why in the end I said, you know, this is when I kind of like let go and said, I'll just stay as much as I can true to what feels in this moment. That's, you know, um, true and honest, you know, and respecting the integrity of, of what I've built up so far, which mm -hmm. is based on so many things we, we've, we've learned and we've been through and, and just, you know, taking it day by day and seeing what comes it's yeah, um right. it's hard for the mind who wants to have everything planned five years ahead, you know, and controlled and all of that. <laughs> That's yeah. our daily it's practice. Because we want a ground to stand on, right? Like we want to know exactly what's going to happen when and be in control, be able to steer the of course the bus. But we're not we're not the bus driver. <laughs> we're not the bus driver, you know. But uh, we keep applying for the job. I think <laughs> without understanding that you have to get a driver's li license first, you know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah. this is where I, I end up, and this is what saves me, to be honest. And I have this also from my grandmother. She just used to make. Uh, fun of herself you know and fun like she would always say you know just don't don't take it so seriously this is a joke you know it's all a joke and she would just yeah. laugh at herself so many times and sometimes that's you know all I can do <laughs> that's all you need yeah, yeah that's all you need. and at the end of the day it's just you know well these decisions are they things that you can die with <laughs> I guess <Yeah. laughs> right like when like yeah you know what's worth the compromise and what's not and yeah yeah and yeah the, end of the day thank yeah. you so much it's such a joy and it's all just a light thing yeah <laughs> we're just exactly. a little blip in the whole thing at the end of the day yeah <laughs> thank you so much thank you Leela. so beautiful may you have a lovely day thank ahead. you evening. Thank Give my you. love to the whole family. <laughs> I will. I will. And hope to see you soon.